I saw a for rent sign in the yard next door, I called and it was like a normal mom and pop landlord, just like me. And I ended up seeing him the next day mowing his lawn. So before I walked over, Brian, this is so hokey, but I think it's important that I tell your listeners, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm going to buy the building next door. (laughs) I walked across the street, talked to the landlord. I'm like, Hey, I just bought the building next door. just wanted to introduce myself. We can swap numbers in case we need anything. And then he said, Oh, do you know anyone that would be interested in buying mine? My jaw, I was like, at cool, Sarah, at cool, at cool. cool, cool, I was like, yeah, Yeah. maybe. I think I went back into my fourplex and just shut the door and did a happy dance because I was like, holy crap, this is really working. And seven days later, I was under contract on that fourplex. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What's up, everyone? Welcome for the first time or welcome back to another episode of the Action Academy podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brian Lubin, bringing you the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who have already earned their freedom so that you can earn freedom in your life and business today. Today's episode is a perfect example about how you do not need to be a multimillionaire with a $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 a month coming in portfolio to be able to go travel the world and have a certain level of freedom that you desire. So while we always talk about passive income and the vehicles to get there, a question that we don't normally ask is, what does your big, exciting life look like? What does freedom look like to you? So today, we actually go into depth and detail about this with our guest, Sarah Weaver. Now, I know some of you may feel a little bit of stress and uncertainty for buying a house out of state, especially a rental property, but Sarah actually buys them out of the country. So she is a nomad, digital nomad, and she travels around the world right now. And we actually do this interview with her from the sunny beaches of Antigua, Guatemala, So she is traveling all over the place while she's purchasing rental properties in the States. This has allowed her to amass a portfolio of 15 doors in a short time. So we go into how she got these doors, what the numbers look like, what she does for her different businesses, and how she kind of structures her life uh, for the nomadic lifestyle and also a remote lifestyle. So we go into all of this and a lot of good information about killing limiting beliefs, killing fears, and just setting up your life to have whatever your big, exciting life looks like for you. So before I leave you on today's episode, like always, I have to give you a completely not made up scientific fact of the week. And this week's offer is actually, if your credit score is getting a little low, say you took on some extra debt and you don't know really how to raise it too quickly... If you go leave the Action Academy podcast a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, five stars, your credit score will go up 75 points. So send this to your CPA, send this to your lender, because, uh, you know, I'm just trying to spread the love and help. So that is the completely not made up scientific fact of the week. (laughs) Without any further ado, Sarah Weaver. I'm excited to chat travel and real estate, two of our favorite things. 
I, I don't know about either of those things. I don't know what you're talking about. This is a taxidermy podcast. <laughs> That's all we talk about on here. No, this is uh, this is fantastic for the people listening right now. Let's paint a quick picture. So right now you're not sitting in a cubicle. You're not sitting at a home office. Where are you right now? I am at a co-working space in Antigua, Guatemala. Okay. So now we've got the stage set. How long have you been over there? Are you there for a month? Are you there perpetually? Yep. Nope. Just here for a month. I brought my laptop with me and um, a business partner. And we just thought it was time to go to sunny Guatemala and get some work done, take some days off, enjoy Guatemala. Casual. Who wouldn't want to just randomly go and enjoy Guatemala for a month? Yeah, this is where I should say, and we're hiring, but no, we're not actually hiring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll put that on the LinkedIn. If you want to come work for Sarah, we'll include a link in the show notes, and then uh, you get a month all-inclusive Guatemala. That's the hiring bonus. Yeah. yeah, actually, my assistant and I, we are actually meeting in person for the first time in Merida, Mexico. And really? so working for me actually is pretty cool, Brian. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, fair. So maybe we will actually include that in the show description, everybody. <laughs> But now we can see where you're at. I want to work backwards because I know you've been on a couple other podcasts here recently and congratulations on that. You're making the rounds. You're blowing up. Your story is really resonating with a lot of people. So I'm so excited to be able to share that with this audience as well. I'm going into this completely blind. I know your end destination, zero idea about how you got there. So what I'm assuming is that you didn't one day just stand up from your corporate desk and from your job in America and just say, screw it. I'm going to go. I'm sure you had some intention. I'm sure you had some planning. I'm sure there was some strategizing behind it. So can you take us maybe start with where you're at right now and what it looks like and then walk us backwards? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a few different businesses. I have a real estate coaching business. So I coach real estate agents. I typically coach them on how to grow an investor-focused business as well as my specialty is hiring. Back in 2015, I helped real estate agents hire administrative assistants for five years, which sounds maybe boring to some, but I got to do that from anywhere in the world. So there's a little teaser of how this has all come to play. But my real estate coaching business is truly my like main focus and my main company. I also, in, I also invest in real estate. And in doing so, a lot of investors have asked, oh my gosh, how do you do this? And so I have opened up coaching spots for real estate investors. So I do quite a bit. This week, I had 11 consultations with real estate investors, both savvy and brand new investors. So that's really my coaching. I do also speak around the US and Canada. I speak typically in real estate brokerages on the DISC behavioral assessment, hiring, firing, and of course, investing. So that kind of speaking, coaching, consulting, all kind of lumps into one. I also have another business where I host retreats for real estate investors. These retreats are like a idea child that I've had for a few years. And I'm so excited to say that they're happening. They're a huge success. And I actually have a wait list for my third retreat, which I plan on announcing in the next 30 days. So I'm really excited. I know I'm really excited about this. This is like, I've dreamt about being able to host retreats and now it's a reality. My first two sold out just by invitation only. So I actually didn't even post anywhere in the internet about them. So that's really exciting. In addition to that, I have a business called Aria Design, where I help real estate investors launch, furnish, and grow their Airbnbs. 
So if you have a long-term rental and you're thinking about furnishing it, you want to maybe rent it out to traveling nurses or put it up on Airbnb or VRBO, my team at Aria will furnish, write your house manual, your automated messaging, everything that you need to launch a successful furnished rental. And then last but not least, I own some real estate. So <laughs> I own, I know, I own 15 units in four different states. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little busy, Brian. I'm yeah. also fully nomadic. So when I'm not in Guatemala, I'm just in another foreign country or location. I am the homeless homeowner. So I'm fully nomadic and have been for three years. Have you trademarked that yet? No. You need a trademark. That needs to be your entire brand. Okay. So before we go into your backstory about how you formulated all of this, a couple of things I want to pull out there. I'm actually going to write a couple of these down as I ask you the first. First place I want to take you is the power of personal brand. Because when I go on your Instagram, when I go on your socials, I'm able to see Sarah Weaver. This is who I am. This is like what I stand for. It's that nomadic thing. And that all plays into your events, being able to be sold out by invitation only. And I'm sure as soon as you open it up, like it's going to be like the freaking floodgates because what does everyone want when you ask them? They say, hey, what do you want? Oh, I want to get $10,000 a month in passive income. The real answer is they want freedom so that they can go travel and do what the hell you're doing right now. Yeah. So you're, can you speak a little bit about how you decided and found your brand and found your voice on social? Because as a realtor and as a business owner, I feel like in the next five to 10 years, if you are not clear on your voice and clear on your brand and your vision on social, you're going to get left behind in the dust. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think in real estate investing, we talk a lot about your why. What's your why? Your why has to be big enough to deal with all the headaches of real estate investing. Mm -hmm. And I I took that really seriously. I actually took a course by Simon Sinek back in 2018. So he wrote the book, Start With Why. It's a great book. The course is really cool. You get partnered with someone, you, you choose your partner. So you partner with someone and you tell your life story and your partner's job is to be an active listener and notice patterns. And so my partner was one of my best friends, Bridget, and she noticed these patterns that I do what I do to show other people that they can do it. Mm. And so at the time in 2018, it wasn't as clear as it is now. And that's what I want to tell your audience. If your why is not clear, don't lose sleep over it. It's going to, it's going to shift and mold and grow and pivot as you do as a human. And Mm -hmm. so in 2018, I I decided I wanted to live unconventionally to show others that it was possible. Now I, what I do is I help people live a big and exciting life through real estate investing. I find that real estate investing is the best vehicle to create financial independence and more freedom. But my big, exciting life is not your big, exciting life. One of your listeners probably, you know what? I don't really like to travel. Well, that's totally okay. What's big and exciting to them is totally different. Yeah. And I think that it's so cool because I'm going on that process too. I, I describe like your why is like a giant block of marble. Like it's like your giant marble why. And then you just chisel chisel away, chisel away. And then eventually you have your statue of David at the end. And then you just start adding like little refined details, chiseling in the eyes, chiseling in the nose. So I think it's really cool how you're wrapping all of this up in the package. 
So like you just said, like your big, exciting life isn't somebody else's big, exciting life. But I would challenge anyone listening to this to like put some thought into that. Like you're listening to the show for a reason. You're at point A, you want to get to point B. What is point B? Because you're baking it all in. You have the end destination in mind. So you begin with the end in mind. So talk a little bit more about this nomadic lifestyle that you have, some of the pros and cons, things that you know now where if you wish you could go back and tell Sarah when she was first starting the trek, you're like, hey, here's some things that I did wrong. Here's some things I did right. Yeah, I think so. I've been nomadic. I like bought my first what I consider one way ticket to Buenos Aires, Argentina in January of 2019. And at that time I had traveled loads. Like it wasn't like I had never traveled before. So I I had taught English in South Korea for a year. I had an internship in Munich, Germany. Like I had traveled quite a bit at that time, but I had always gone back to my apartment or back to a storage unit and then signed another lease or whatever it may be. And then finally I was like, wait, why do I live in the U.S.? It is really expensive. And my job at the time, I had a W-2. This was before, way before COVID. In 2015, I had a job where I could live anywhere in the world. So from 2015 to 2019, I was spending at least three months abroad. And so that wasn't completely new. What was new is that I just completely rented out my entire house. So I no longer had a home base. And I bought a one-way ticket to Argentina. And I knew at the time that from my experience from the three-month stints that I had done is you have to travel so slow because I was working... Yeah. I was working for an American company. Obviously that was 40 hours a week, eight to five. And it's impossible to fly into a city on a Friday, set yourself, like have a good fun weekend and then set yourself up to work Monday through Friday and then leave again on Friday. You just have Mm -hmm. to spend more than a week in a place. Otherwise you're not seeing it at all. And so that's one thing I tell people is you have to travel really slow if you're going to be working. 20 to 40 hours a week. Okay. So like basically establish a home base for about a month or so. And then if you feel like branching off, maybe not airfare, but like branching off like a couple hours via car or something, that's okay. But just establish a home base. Yeah. And it's so freaking fun. Like you start to learn like what cafes are good. Oh, there's salsa on Tuesday nights at this bar. And on Thursday nights they do uh, like, they do Spanish classes on Thursdays at 8 PM. So you just start to get to know a city and it gets, oh gosh, it's so fun. Yeah. So maybe I'll I'll tweak the question a bit because now you're an experienced traveler. So like you were able to just take what you already knew and just apply it at the more like uh, long-term context. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'll tweak the question a bit. If there's maybe three to five things that you could tell someone that is interested in this nomadic lifestyle, what is some advice that you could give them? Yeah. So some like practical advice is have a Charles Schwab debit card because they'll reimburse you for ATM fees. Have your Google voice set up and functioning, pay for a really good VPN. And then you just have to have a ton of patience. Like internet is not reliable in a ton of places. And so your clients need to understand, like you had said, it's part of my brand that I'm nomadic. And so it's Mm -hmm. actually really nice. My clients are so patient with me when I'm like, Hey, sorry, I'm cutting out. And they're like, that's okay. Like you're in Peru. And it's so cool that you're in Peru, even though I can't hear you. (laughs) And, but obviously on the other side of that, I'm like sweating bullets and I'm stressed. And I learned really quickly that if I was going to make this lifestyle work, I couldn't like have a panic attack every time the internet went out. 
Okay, that's interesting. I'm actually making a note of that right now. Cool. So one more question that I have before we get into the backstory here. You were talking about where your specialty was hiring. And I think that's a really interesting segue to hit on here. For a lot of people that are listening to this, they're either involved in hiring or they've got a team that they have people that are hiring for. And right now in the culture that we're in, it's the number one thing is having the right people on your team. Can you talk a little bit about the hiring process and what you've really seen and maybe coach on that really works? Because a lot of the people listening to this are going to be business owners. We'll just go ahead and call it in the real estate field. And then we can use these same principles to branch out into whatever other businesses these people own. Yeah. So I help real estate agents often hire different people on their team and they'll come to me and they'll say, okay, I need an administrative assistant. I own some Airbnbs, so she needs to be able to message my Airbnb gas. I also want her to do bookkeeping, social media. She might do some showings every once in a while, so I want her to get licensed. She also needs to be available on Saturdays and Sundays and evenings. And I'm just looking at this person like, okay, you want her to be sociable and good with your clients. You want her to have a good sense of urgency, but then you also want her to have attention to detail, dot I's and cross T's into your bookkeeping. That person doesn't exist. No, that person's fictitious. <laughs> and and you want to pay $40,000 a year. So what I encourage my clients to do is we have to really figure out what is your biggest need and then who is the best person to fit that need. And then maybe it is an administrative assistant who can answer Airbnb messages and help with client relations. And then you can piecemeal other contractors to do your bookkeeping because you're perfect administrative assistant that's good at this isn't going to also be good at that. And Mm. so it's really setting clear expectations on the type of person that you want. And then also I have a lot of clients who want their admin to be great at social media, but my clients tend to have a really big budget. And so I keep telling them, why don't you hire a great administrative assistant and then spend your good money on an even better social media marketing manager or someone that's great at Facebook ads, rather than someone who's your admin's just going to be okay at social media. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. And then um, another question I had about around that is I feel like a lot of people, myself included, spend a lot of time like dragging themselves, kicking and screaming while they're doing all these different jobs and all these different positions What's some advice you can give on when someone knows that it is actually finally time to suck it up and start hiring some assistants? Because I'm probably in that boat myself. I'm selfishly asking this question when it comes to podcasts and all the different stuff that's going on. When do you, what's some advice you can give on when it's finally time to start hiring assistants and hiring this stuff out instead of just keeping it all on your plate? Yeah. So it is a mathematical equation. You figure out what is your hourly rate? And then what is the hourly rate of, let's say, a virtual assistant to take that task off your plate? If the price of the virtual assistant is less than your hourly rate, then you hand it off. Damn it. That is so surprisingly simple. (laughs) I never thought about thinking about it like that. Okay, cool. So looks like I have some hiring to do, Sarah. Thank you for that. You you can hire my team to review resumes and do phone screen interviews for you. (laughs) This may be something that we have a conversation on. (laughs) <laughs> but okay, that's awesome. So we've gone into where you've been. You've been to 44 countries, correct? 44 countries on six continents. Okay. Yeah. So you're a traveling fiend. 
let's work backwards now. Let's go into your backstory and start talking about how we were accumulating this real estate. Walk us through like how you funded them, how you got them. And then what was your goal? Were you looking for cash flow? A lot of questions there. I'll just let you get to your backstory and then we'll just pick it apart as we go. Absolutely. So let's just, as I just gave a presentation this morning about how I finance them. And so I'll really quickly go through my portfolio. So I, of course I have a PowerPoint. So I, I own 15 units in four States. So in 2017, I bought a single family. I did the house hack rent by the room strategy. Mm -hmm. So I purchased it with I think it was actually less than 3% down at the time. It was like a home ready owner occupied program. And then I had closing costs. That was back in the day when you could ask the seller for closing costs. And so I came to the table with less than 3%, which was really cool. Then you guys, it took me two years to buy my next property. And so I think a lot of people see the headline like, wow, she went from three to 15 units in 68 days, but it was slow going like from one to three and three to 15. It wasn't that fast. So it took two years for me to buy my second property, which was a duplex in Kansas city, Missouri. I did close on that remotely from Mexico. So I like the alliteration I bought in Missouri from Mexico. And then my third property that I bought also alliteration I bought in Nebraska from New Zealand. Is this just so, a rule that you have? You just have to buy them from states with whatever country you're in? I think so. I think it's a new game. Got it. <laughs> Got it. So, so th- I bought that third property in May of 2020, 2021. Again, not quite two years later, but a year and a half after my second one. Mm-hmm. And I bought a fourplex in Omaha and I did three and a half percent down FHA. This is where people are like, wait, what? You bought from New Zealand FHA? You have yep, 60 days, you have 60 days to occupy the property. And so when I closed on the property, I bought a flight back to the US within the month. Okay. I didn't even know that about the FHA. So your first three properties, you bought them all FHA. The first two were like a conventional owner occupied loan, not technically FHA. And gotcha. the second one's same thing. The second one was a owner occupied conventional loan. I think it was called the Home Ready Program. I don't know if that's still a program. And then my third one, I used FHA. And what, how I did it is I had crystal clear criteria that I texted to my agent. I texted that criteria to that agent as well as an agent in Des Moines. So what's funny is what happened is the agent in Omaha got back to me in four days. I actually went back and looked at the text messages yesterday. Like found the text from March, 2021. And he did. He sent me the fourplex four days after I texted him my criteria. But then the same thing happened with the agent in Des Moines. He just was two weeks later. So two weeks later, I get this phone call from the agent in Des Moines. And he's like, okay, I found your property. And I thought, oh, shoot. Like, I don't have any more. Like, I don't have, I don't know how I'm going to qualify for that. I had money, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I would qualify for another loan because I had a debt to income issue. I wasn't making very much money on my W2, but it was such a good deal that I made it work. So I used hard money. The hard money lender required a down payment of 20%, which was $80,000 would have almost wiped out my bank account. So I didn't want to do that. So I read Matt Faircloth's Raising Private Capital and I raised $80,000 off Instagram from a private lender. And I used a private lender as my down payment for the hard money lender and I purchased the prop the property with no money of my own. Okay. 
And then, so I'm assuming you refied out. So how did you get, so how did you get the private investor back and how did you spin it? Yep. So it was two duplexes next door to each other. So four units total. Mm -hmm. And I was able to, I bought them under value. One of them was on the MLS. Like you guys, I found a burr on the MLS or sorry, what I should say is my investor friendly agent found a burr on the MLS and he's amazing. Like my agent is, I, I owe him a lot. And so he found me this deal and I was able to renovate all three of the four units within eight weeks and then start the refinance process at month three. The hard money lender only required three months seasoning. And I actually used the same hard money lender and they had a 30 year product that I refinanced into and then paid off my private lender. Okay. And this was in tandem to when you were closing on that next duplex because you had the one that was like four days and you were closing on that yourself. And then this other one was additional. Correct. So the first one is a fourplex in Omaha. And then I had two duplexes. So an additional four units in Des Moines, which for those of you not good at geography, those are not in the same state. Omaha is Nebraska and Des Moines is Iowa. And, and then, okay. So that's eight (laughs) units, right? So four, right down the street from each other, right down the street. So then my additional four units that I found was the neighbor of my fourplex. So I remember I texted my agent that found me the Omaha fourplex. And I said, Hey, I want to buy the whole block. And I think he thought I was kidding, but I was serious. And so when I saw a for rent sign in the yard next door, I called and it was like a normal mom and pop landlord, just like me. And I ended up seeing him the next day mowing his lawn. So before I walked over just across the driveway to the landlord, Brian, this is so hokey, but I think it's important that I tell your listeners, I looked in the mirror and I was like, I'm going to buy the building next door. Hey, no, it's, it's powerful. Gives you the confidence that you need. It worked because I walked across the street, talked to the landlord. I'm like, Hey, I just bought the building next door. just wanted to introduce myself. We can swap numbers in case we need anything. And then he said, oh, do you know anyone that would be interested in buying mine? My jaw, I was like, at cool, Sarah, at cool, at At cool. cool, I was like, yeah, maybe. I think I went back into my fourplex and just shut the door and did a happy dance because I was like, holy crap, this is really working. And seven days later, I was under contract on that fourplex. All right. So this is the Action Academy. Listen to what Sarah's saying. Because uh, she went and took action, 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 action. Oh my God, that is freaking awesome. Okay, yes, yeah, so I'm taking notes over here about how you've been, you know, like getting each one of these. And then, so you had your couple. And then, so here, let's back up a bit. So, what were you doing as your profession during this? You had a small W2, you said you weren't making much. Yep, I worked for a real estate company, a real estate brokerage based out of Seattle. For doing the hiring and stuff. That was my job previous. This job, they they worked with, they were essentially a referral brokerage. They referred investors to agents all across the country. Got it. And then how much were you making in this? Maybe 60. I think my W-2 ended up being like 59,000. Okay. And then yet yeah, you had 80 plus in the bank. So, so were you just super frugal? And then you said, were you doing all, I'm trying to put the timelines together. Were you doing this while you're traveling? And you just casually have 80, 100 grand in the bank? Yeah. So you guys, when I lived in South America in 2019, 
I was living on a thousand dollars a month. Podcast is over. Podcast <laughs> is over. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, it's not advisable. That's not like a sustainable lifestyle that I think your audience should obtain. But I was saving money like crazy because when I was in Argentina in 2019, my two properties in Kansas City both cash flow about $500 to $700 each. So mm-hmm. if I really, the, like the way I thought of it is I was living off of my rental income and then I was saving almost 90% of myself. So you're in Argentina. You are living off of the cash flow, the thousand dollar cash flow of two of your rental units. And I would venture to say it probably wasn't that bad of an existence in Argentina. Oh my gosh, you guys, I was having like the time of my life. <laughs> geographic arbitrage. Let's talk about it, Sarah. Let's talk about geographic arbitrage because that's exactly what you did and it's powerful. And I experienced it for the first time in Brazil. The REI is five to one for the US dollar. So the best way I can explain it to people listening is that you take a crowded Uber, like when it's rush hour traffic, the city is packed and Uber from one side of the city to the other is like two American dollars. Like a steak dinner with a bottle of wine is 20 American dollars. Like it's different. And the like, so the to live in a high rise apartment, like the nicest apartment that you could have in Brazil, it's 600 US dollars. So talk a little bit about arbitrage and maybe how you baked all of this. Were you intentional about this or was it just like a happy coincidence? No, very intentional. If anything, I have been wearing fruit. I want to talk about frugality for a second, though, sure. because I've been wearing frugal as like a badge of honor. And I do need to say, I don't think, I think it has served me up until now, but yes. moving forward, being frugal is not the goal. Like I really believed in delayed gratification. I want that to truly be the message. Like I'm not telling people to go live off of a thousand dollars a month, but there is a lot to be said about delayed gratification. So a friend of mine is a family of six. She has four kids and they are house hacking a triplex. Before that, they lived in a beautiful home with a pool. And so they're making a short-term sacrifice and really, truly living out what I consider delayed gratification. Lucky for me, my delayed gratification looked like living in a house with roommates in Buenos Aires, or I did actually live in Brazil as well. I lived in a town called Ubatuba. It's called Ubatuba, Ubatuba. yeah. You and I were messaging about that when I was there. Yeah. Yeah. It was called, it's called... It's called Uba Shuva because it rains all the time. And I believe my rent was $470 a month. It was a six minute walk to the beach. It's also probably one of the, like the grossest apartments I've ever lived in, but it was six minute walk to the beach. And so again, I, I prioritize what's important to me. And in that moment, I was in growth mode. I needed to ca- to get as much cash as I could because I knew I wanted to buy a bunch of real estate. Whereas Mm -hmm. now the reason I bring up frugality is it doesn't benefit me to be frugal. It's not benefiting you to not hire a virtual assistant to offload some of your tasks. And I'm in the exact same boat. Like I am in growth mode with my business. And so I need to spend money. I can't continually be frugal. And Mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that the audience hears that there's like a time and place for frugality. And a lot of the symptoms of being frugal are amazing, like being money conscious, delayed gratification, being a good saver. Those are all really important. 
but I think being frugal isn't necessarily. The- I love that you say that and that we're able to get both sides of the coin and both sides of the perspective here. Cause a lot of people listening to this, like, I feel like we all have good money muscles this is what I call them to where it's where we're very conscious of our finances, but a lot of us have gone. It's, you summarized it perfectly. It's a season of your life that you need to be exceptionally frugal. And that's when you're getting started. When I got my first house hack, I was literally saving like everything to get that first $25,000 saved. And then when that first 25 was saved, then the next 25 took a year. Second 25 took six months. Then all of a sudden I got 50 in six months and then it just starts rolling and rolling. So then your mindset swaps from how much can I save, which is, we'll use it in a, it's got a negative connotation to it, but it also serves you, like you said, but it's going from a scarcity mindset to an abundance and a growth mindset. Absolutely. And I should say that it's not like I just started saving money in like 2019. Like my, my, my dad will tell you that I always had more money than they did. They'd like even 12 year old Sarah, my dad was like, where does she have all this money? But I was obviously, I was always babysitting. I was selling stuff. Like I've always been a worker. It is like in my blood and I'm not a spender. I I have a, actually have a hard time spending money. Yeah. It's, it's the opposite for me. There's an episode. If you're listening to this and these topics interest you go back on this show and look up Aaron West's how to have a, how to have a healthy relationship with money. He talks about how you have spenders and you have savers. I'm on the spender side to where if I have too much money, I'm nervous. I'm like, I don't like this because I have to get rid of it into an investment. Thankfully, I'm like, if I'm sitting on a hundred grand, I need to put 80 of that towards something now. Otherwise it's going to get spent. So that's why I think it was so freaking cool that you did what you did. Let's, I want to take a pivot real quick. You, you mentioned Matt Faircloth. I need to have him on the show. Matt, if you're listening to this, you're coming on, buddy. But let's talk about that because that took some serious huevos to be able to go and just be like, hey, I don't have the money for this next purchase. This other realtor just answered me and I'm, I'm wiped out. But you were like, hey, no, like I'm not going to stop here where 99.9% of the population would stop. I'm going to push through. Talk a little bit of some of the concepts from the book that stood out to you and then what made you push out and how did you how did you phrase your Instagram wording to be able to entice a private investor to help you with that? Yeah, I think it's a, a lot of it's about mindset. So if you had asked Sarah Weaver two years ago, I'd be like, oh, I don't know anyone with money. It turns out I know a ton of people with money and I'm not asking people for money. That's what I think a lot of people think when they're doing private lending. No, I'm creating an opportunity where they can invest with someone that they trust because I'm so trustworthy and they get return on their investment. And then lucky for this investor, I also am incredibly communicative. So if he wanted weekly updates, I'd do it. He didn't. He's like, trust you, call me when you have my money back. But also it was a quick turnaround. And so the deal was so good that it was a no brainer for him to invest in me and invest in the deal. And then also I was lucky. He actually reached out to me. And so when you talked about building your personal brand, Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. So this investor, if he's listening, I'll send this episode to him because he's quite funny. He messaged me with some profanity and he's, what do you do? He's, I am so confused by your Instagram. You're like traveling the world, but you're always posting about real estate. I don't get it. 
And so when I told him I'm an investor, I do buy and hold investing and in typically in the Midwest, I'm focused on cash flow. He goes, cool. That's what I thought. I've been investing or private lending money to these flippers, but the deals are drying up. And now I have a bunch of cash sitting in this bank account. Can I now lend to you? And so it truly from was from my brand. And so it's actually not, I don't want to like misconceive anyone. I didn't do like a blanket post asking for a private lender. It was someone that knew me from university, from undergrad, who reached out to me and was like, what the do you do for a living? (laughs) And then I was able to explain myself really eloquently. Yes. So I really want, God, that really makes me, well, we'll put a pin in, in Matt. Sorry, buddy. We'll come back to you in a second. (laughs) So for when it comes to branding, it's something that I struggled with too. It's you almost do all of this in like secret and silent. And you're like, because you're, I don't know about you, but when I got my first house hack, it's like, everyone was like, Oh dude, you're insane. You're crazy. My family was like, Hey, this is stupid. Everyone was telling me how dumb it was. So I kept everything to myself and I built this whole network up for a lot of these people that come on the show that I'm dear friends with over two years of kind of silence and not telling anybody what I'm doing. And then finally, I was like, no, like it's time to share, even though I felt imposter syndrome was sharing, because in my mind, I thought unless I had 100 units, I wasn't qualified. Can you talk a little bit about breaking through that limiting belief of just being a consumer of content and becoming a creator of content? Because everyone has a story to tell. I really believe. Yeah, that. Well, I think it's really interesting that we all have we all have that inner voice. Like yours, yours is telling you, like, oh, you only house hack. Like you're not a real investor. Mm-hmm. Whereas my inner voice doesn't say that. My inner voice is saying, Sarah, don't be braggadocious. Don't flaunt everything that you have because I don't come from anything. Exactly. And so everything that I have is all new. Like having money and wealth and freedom, this is all new to me. But w- going back to my why, I told you, I sat in a living room with my best friend, Bridget, and I sat there and I said, I want to live an unconventional life to show other people that it's possible. Like I was a first generation college student. Like I was on financial aid. I never thought that I'd have what I have now. But at the same time, I also believed there was like part of me that like believed that all of this was possible. And so tying it back to social media, I think you just have to be super genuine. And mm-hmm. so like you, like what you guys, when I post things, it's, I'm not trying to make it seem like something that it's not. It like really is. If you looked at my Instagram story, I really did like work from a hammock this morning. And last night I had drinks with my friends and that's just who I am. And I think that people catch on. I really like to use humor and I'm a pretty like silly person. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm always cracking jokes. And so I think that comes across in my social media. I'm not trying to be anything that I'm not. And I think that's the same with your story. Like you weren't trying to pretend like you owned a hundred units. You were just like, Hey, I made this decision to house hack. Here's why, here's what it's about. Maybe you should look into it. Yeah. And then it becomes easier and easier. And then you get to your second house hack, your third house hack. Now I'm going to, I'm about to move into commercial here shortly. So that's going to be a fun, that's going to be a fun little bypass there. I'm just going to go ahead and start shooting for the stars. And now our idea to circle back to what you were saying about like the geographic arbitrage, like we're going to Greece for July. And then after that, we're going to try to like balance out the months kind of, 
you know, where we'll go to like somewhere that's like kind of touristy, like a little bit more pricey, and then maybe spend a month in Thailand or something like that, or Bali, and then just balance it out like that. That's the general idea right now. And then nice. hopefully I'll be able to save up a little bit more there. But yeah, so hey, as for- Hey, do you, think, do you think we should put together a yacht week? I think we should put together a boat for yacht week. Say less. All right, Say let's less. do it. You yeah, heard it here if, first. Yeah, if anybody, uh, if anyone's listening to the podcast, you want to come on a yacht week, what is that, Croatia? Yeah. Let's go to Croatia. If y'all trying, y'all trying to go to Croatia, you can go. I'll tell you what, if you leave a five-star rating and review on the Action Academy podcast, you will be entered in a fictitious drawing to go with us to Yacht Week. There you go. You heard it here first. Sarah heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So as I want to be conscious of our time here, as we wrap up, where do you see this going? Is this going to be, is this an itch that you're scratching? Is this something that you see baked into your life in its entirety? Walk us through that because obviously our whys change and our comfort levels change. We're in different seasons of life. So where do you see maybe the next five year Sarah Weaver, like maybe the next 10 years? What are you thinking? What's your goal? Yeah, I want to continue to live a really big and exciting life. And right now, traveling is still really exciting to me. I just got invited to Mexico in March. And I because I am a homeless homeowner, I get to say yes. And so I've worked really hard to build a network of people that I enjoy spending time with. And now I feel really lucky to get to say yes when they invite me to do things. And so will I slow down in my travels? Yeah, probably. Eventually, I'm going to want a partner and we'll probably have different ideas of what traveling looks like. But mm-hmm. I'm not putting any restrictions on it because I thought two years ago, I thought, oh, yeah, like I think it's time to move back to the States and build a home base and a community, maybe start intentionally dating again. But here I am three years later and I'm still traveling. And so I have a feeling that travel is always going to be a big part of my life. Yeah, I was about to say, I doubt if you come back in 20, 30 years that you're going to say, oh, man, I shouldn't have taken that three year odyssey around the world that was a terrible idea yeah i always make the reference uh, on this show that if you go to a retirement home and you ask all the people if you go to anybody in any retirement home across this country and you say hey i was thinking about buying real estate and traveling more do you think that's a bad idea there's not going to be a single one of them that agrees with you they're going to say hey no if i have two regrets I would have bought more real estate, spent more time with my family and traveled the freaking world and done what I wanted to do. And you can even see in the back, if anyone's looking at video and watching this on video, I've got like my little world map, my Euro rail plan that I've got going on and all my little mementos. But yeah, that's that's fantastic. Let's finish it up on a business sense. Where do you, do you have any kind of cash flow goals? Do you have any kind of acquisition goals? Is this something that you're any specific asset classes or do you want to stick to purely single family? No. So actually I only own one single family and then the rest are all small multis. And I think it's time for me to go bigger. And so I'm meeting with someone actually next week to talk about syndications and what it looks like to raise money. I truly think one of my gifts is connecting people and not only just making connections, but also connecting people. And so I foresee raising money and syndications in my future. Awesome. Any specific asset class that you want to focus on or just multifamily? Awesome. Yeah. And then before we finish, you you said you knocked out that renovation in eight weeks. Like, was that 
was that just a crew that you already had in place or did you assemble that crew randomly in eight weeks? My, my investor agent gave me the contacts for the GC and then through other investors that I networked with on Facebook groups and masterminds, I was able to piecemeal different plumbers and electricians together. It was four, three of the four units. I had an inherited tenant, so I didn't get to in- renovate that unit. But the other three units was flooring. Only one was a brand new kitchen. Otherwise, it was little things like painting, flooring, some ceiling pans, fixing doors. It's just crazy. It's just another episode of the Action Academy where we've got another example of who, not how. Yeah. And do do you guys want to hear the numbers on it? I I think the numbers are really good. (laughs) Uh, Hit them with the numbers, Sarah. Hit them. All right. So I purchased both properties for $193,500. So it was $385 for both duplexes. I spent 11,000, 13,000. I spent about 26,000 in renovation. And then one appraised for 265 and the other appraised for 260. Let's go. Yeah. And then so the, that, and then the cash flow and then my rental income minus my PITI is $1900 a month. So you know, yeah, you're not having to live off the 1000 bucks a month now. Yeah, but if you saw that where I'm staying in Guatemala, I'm I'm I need someone to hold me accountable to spend more money. I'm still living really frugally. I'll send you a monthly message. Say, hey, are you balling? You balling this month, Sarah? I did get my nails done, so that was step one. Step one. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I think that was a really cool case study too. As wrap up is like going. It's cool because we're right smack dab in the middle with you. It's you're going from the scarcity to now it's the growth. And then I can't wait to do another one of these episodes with you in like a year or two. And then just see you, you've got like, yeah, I just started, you know, round two of my syndication. I've got three assistants. I've got a team under me. And it's just so cool how you use, like you said, you're communicative. Is that the word? Yeah, I think so. We'll roll with it. But that you're able to be able to, you're personable. You're able to build all these relationships with all these investors. And that's where the magic happens. You can't read that in a book. So if you have any advice to people that are A, investing in real estate, but more importantly, people that are blindly investing for cash flow and equity and net worth, but don't really know why they're doing it, what's some advice that you would give as we finish this up? They need to meet with someone who's not 10 steps ahead of them, but they need to meet with someone that's two steps ahead of them Mm. and and get their strategy in order. If you don't, if you don't have an end destination, then it doesn't really matter what your next step is. Okay. That's huge. It's actually not a point that's been brought up on the show before, but I actually really agree with that because I always tell people you need a coach and you need a mentor. A coach is going to help you from a high level mindset, like killing limiting beliefs. Maybe there's someone that is maybe like that investor that was in your Instagram where it's like they've been there, done that maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're 10 times further than you are. And then the mentor is that person where you're like, they just took down a 45 unit apartment complex two weeks ago. Yeah. And then maybe they have 70 units and you have 12. That's the person, maybe instead of reaching out and DMing like the celebrities and like DMing the Brandon Turners, you go and like Nick down the street from you that's in your local RIA that's doing this. And then you can have multiple friendships, people. It's okay. They're not going to hate each other. It's all right. And I, well, and I would even argue, I would even reach out to someone who owns 10 units 
or 15 units. If you only have one, two or three, then yep. those are the people you should be talking to. Exactly. Okay. I had some pure gasoline on this episode today. I know we have lots to talk about. We, we, we could, we could probably talk an episode just about being nomadic. I'm really oh, yeah. passionate about it. And so if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at Sarah D Weaver on Instagram, Facebook, basically monopolized Sarah D Weaver. Just don't ask me what the D stands for. And I'm happy to help. Yep. That's going to be my next question. And, uh, we still need to do, what was your name? The homeless, like the homeless homeowner. Yeah. Yeah. You need to change your handles to that. Once I don't, I don't know how good homeless homeowner it looks on a dating profile. And so I don't know if homeless is the best way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We'll work and we'll pivot from there. It's all about, it's all about networking communication, which we, we got it. <laughs> so anyway, okay, cool. Any other resources you want to direct people to, or just Sarah D Weaver across all platforms? Yeah. If you're an agent, you can go to sarahdweaver.com forward slash freebie. And I have some really great resources for you. And it's the same URL for investors. So sarahdweaver.com forward slash freebie. I have an offering for your audience. Awesome. And then your Airbnb company. Yes. It's called Aria Design, A-R-Y-A. And that's sarahdweaver.com forward slash A-R-Y-A. And yeah, if you're needing help with any piece of the process, launching your Airbnb, we do consultations. We'll write your house manual, your automated messaging. You can even fly us out there and we'll furnish the whole thing for you. Yep. So if you have an Airbnb and you want it furnished, and then you want also that person to help you hire your administrative team, then you also want that person to help you find deals. And then you also want that person to get you a flight booked out to Mexico so you can drink tequila with her that afternoon. (laughs) Sarah D. Weaver on all platforms. Sarah, thank you. This has been freaking awesome. I'm so glad I didn't listen to the BP episode before this, because now this has been fun to get to know you and learn about all of this and uh, definitely some more episodes in the future. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate it. All right. This is Brian and Sarah over a globe trot in the world. Weaver signing off for the action Academy podcast. You've been listening to the action Academy podcast, helping you to choose what you want with who you want, when you want, you've been given the gift of freedom. Don't turn your back on that. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope you've gotten some practical and useful information. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media. Remember, financial independence is freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Freedom fly.